Bye, love. Hi, all. Welcome. It's Wednesday night, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And we have um, a slew of wonderful guests already lined up yeah, for the month of February. Yeah, he's been busy. I've been trying to... Well, I'm trying to be as organized as I can be. It's not one of my strengths. No, and really, this whole everything is just the two of us. So between the two of us, it's the whole shebang. Well, we give um, a shout out to Armando. He's done a solid yes, job for us. I'm talking, right, no, no, po- that's post-production stuff. Yes, I'm talking about like- I mean, we can't do everything. No, no. <clears throat> but we do a lot. But did you by any chance- Get through to any of the Bright Green Lies people? I haven't yet. I got to message them. So I got Guys, if you haven't read Bright Green Lies, you really need to do that. Yeah. You really need to do that. It's going to be a real kind of come to Jesus moment for you. And now I realize why I put it off for a couple of years. I was really going through my whole like deconstructing Zionism phase and I could kind of only handle one crisis at a time. So since I was doing that, but so now I've since read Bright Green Lies and um, it's not pretty. And well, here's the thing. It's not pretty for people that really like things like industrial civilization and capitalism. If you're somebody that can see a world be- without that, um, like for me, it's, no, it's not okay. Well, that's fine. But like for me, it's not like whatever. I have mixed feelings on it. But anyway, it's a really good book. I want to get these people on and um, we need to talk about it because it's it's important. No, it's very important. Uh, we have pillaged the hell out of the planet for the purpose of uh, money and power. And of course, everyone needs a new piece of technology every six months to a year. It's and just never ending. The selfish nature of uh, humanity is very, very uh, obvious in America, as I'm sure it is in other parts of the world. But we lead the way in that regard. We're very self-important in this country. Oh, the things that we value. <laughs> we are self-important. I, I Listen, I'm not saying that there isn't something... <laughs> Uh, James, good to see you, brother. Uh, my friend James Miller from New York. Uh, he wants to start doing a sports podcast. Uh, probably do one once a week, something like that. Got to figure out the schedule. It, it'll be fun. Got to come up with a good tag name, you know, something. You mean uh, he wants to like do that with you? I could, with me. Okay, but I got to cool. be honest. I, uh, James, You're, are you suggesting James? generational changes having a sports No, it's going to be a sub-channel. Show? Be a sub-channel of, the, you know, we'll have a different name. Um, but I got to tell you, I have, a, I have a serious beef with him for this reason. He and I had talked about doing something like this, I want to say like 10, 12 years ago, before YouTube was even like a huge, huge thing. and Before we got suppressed. Of course. And I'm just thinking, if only... We had really gotten our ish together way back when. But you know what? Timing is everything. Timing is everything. We're here now. We're going to do that. And so obviously we've got, you know, a lot of things to talk about. Danny. Danny thanks, Danny. Danny, thanks. Is, Danny is now trying to compete with Cake Double K. And, and Danny is also is our newest um, patron. So that's really cool. And you will be getting your stickers. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm putting together like a, a mailing that's going to go out. <laughs> Speaking of content creation and growing the channel and doing the things that we have to do in order to beat the suppressive nature of the YouTube I just algorithm feel like so not savvy. Oh. Well, like I really am not. And, and here's so the you're thing. Not, so, you're I don't wanna, not, so you're saying you're not a savant? I, I'm saying. I'm just saying. Oh, somebody heard our whistle and oh, they came the in from afar okay. and said, oh, yeah, I got you. I'll do one better. <laughs> you guys Kat, are awesome. Great to see you and great to have you here. Um, Actually, thank you guys. Today, I had to um, refile our uh, state 
with the Department of Corporations, you know, our our thing for that allows us to be a corporation state. Yes. And it was like 60 bucks or whatever it was. So thank you guys all for contributing to those types of things, because that's the kind of stuff, because otherwise it's just me paying for it all. So we want before we bring in our wonderful guest, Mark Savant, who is uh, local and is going to teach us a thing or two about how to sort of beat the game, if you will. Very, very important that you guys know what's coming up. So it is Black History Month. On Monday, our next show, we are going to have a Black History Month panel from a millennial perspective. So we are going to have current TYT contributor and former congressional candidate Amani Oakley, who is from the Northeast. We are going to have former congressional candidate against in South Carolina's sixth district against none other than Mr. I, let me tell you, I Marcel is a standout. To Marcel me. Dixon. And he is from He's the and he is from the South. And then we are going to have our friend Osiris from Stuck in the Middle, Middle MAGA Podcast, Middle MAGA. who is out in Colorado, who will be representing the western part of the United States. Yeah. Uh, this will be a very informative conversation. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not big on usually doing like, okay, it's Black History Month. We have to, you know, bring on a whole bunch of black guests. Like, I don't want it to be like a gratuitous thing. But I think that these are all people with very different perspectives. Oh, yes. And 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 just in terms of and I especially want to talk about with them where we're going with, you know, we can take off of this education topic that we're having here in Florida and look at what's going on, because I am curious, actually, what people around were taught like what other people have been taught in that generation specifically. Like, I think it's just really interesting because it's sad to me that Black History Month has to be a thing. It shouldn't have to be a thing. It should be American history. But unfortunately, we live in a country that wants to do everything in its capacity, including our governor, to try to suppress history yeah. for whatever the purpose. If history were just taught properly in the first place, it would just be part of history. But the fact that it's been so like whitewashed and subjugated, now it has to be a thing. James, now it has to be a thing. James, you are awesome. And listen, if we put our heads together, we will. We have been able to get some really amazing guests on our political podcast. I have no Who's doubt. Charles Oakley? You don't know who Charles Oakley is? Am I losing my mind? Yeah, you must be if you don't know who, who Charles- Who is that? I know who Amani is. He was the power is. forward on the New York Knicks for like oh, 10 for years. Oh, for God friggin' sake. Wow. Oh, for Out the there. love of all that is holy. We'll do everything we can to ensure that he's I thought he was complaining on. Charles Booker and Imani Oakley since we were talking about them as guests. Okay, that is the most left field thing I've ever heard in my no, life. that is. We're talking about Black History Month and you're talking about- Hey, the let me tell you something. You want to sports. talk about you want to talk about an OG in basketball? Charles Oakley oh, is God. one of the greatest badasses. Is he ever coming on our show? <laughs> I don't get no, what he's talking about. No, James, who wants to do the 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 sports? Okay, all right, quit sports. messing with me, James. I'm high. Don't do that. <laughs> I got to focus. I got to focus. All right, so we will be focusing. Uh, in addition to that, we are going to have. Uh, the uh, we're going to have a panel also for Workers Strike Back, which is, which is Shama Sawant's uh, venture. Is she, she coming? Uh, she is not is she likely coming? not coming. We will see. No I really, really, really like We would her. love to have her on. We'll I sure really we'll like, I. she's definitely like up there. And if that's up not there. enough, later this month on the 22nd, tw the 20th will be the Workers Strike Back panel. And on the 22nd, we are going to be revisiting On Sacred Ground, the latest documentary, and none other than David Arquette and David Mid-Thunder, who is part, I believe, part of the tribe. 
That no, was, so it's probably like the, the Lakota, it's the Lakota Sioux. Yeah. I think it's the Lakota Sioux. So we will be, uh, so, so we'll have a lot to talk about with Mr. Arquette as well as uh, Mr. Mid Thunder. So that will be fun. But without further ado, we had uh, quite the intro to give. And as you guys know, our goal here on this podcast is to transform politics into service. We try to be as nonpartisan, we try to be as inclusive as possible, and we are definitely on a mission to build a non, an unstoppable labor movement in this country. And somebody who I have had wonderful conversations with at business networking events here in South Florida also happens to be a content creator who we had a mutual connection with, which of course is Roberto Blake. And now he is going to grace us. He is the host of Mark Savant Media. He is a very savvy content creator and overall good human and somebody I call a friend. Mark Savant, welcome to Generational Change. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, what is up, what is up, what is up? Hi, look how professional. See, he's got a real professional looking setup. I think it's, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's the on-air sign. We need an on-air sign. Yeah, oh. it's like 10 bucks on Amazon or the <laughs> local local dollar store. So, mm, you yeah. don't get the easy button as well, you know? <laughs> so have you, have you, had you heard of our show? Had you seen our show? Like, is this something that's even a topic that, you know, or an area that you would watch this kind of podcast, or do you just know of us because you met Peter? Yeah, great question, Jen. So I heard about the podcast through Peter, of course, and I just got to say, I, I love podcasting. I love content creation. It's such a powerful way to connect with people. I love what you're doing as far as, you know, uplifting people, getting people to the next level. We need, we need more of that. I mean, I'm, I've got a, a lineup of stories that I can tell. Um, but I think it's now is frankly probably one of the best times in history to be alive because you are so, we're so empowered by the internet. It's the great equalizer. So I think is, you know, if you're motivated and you can take advantage of the opportunities out there, it's just a really great time to be alive. You just need to know where to find them and we need better education in general. Yeah. Well, and that's really what this is about. We, I start, we started this over two years ago and it started out, it wasn't done as a live stream. When we started out, it was just me doing long form interviews with experts, authors, you know, and and my idea was to build this library of information that things that I find are not taught that should be something that I think might be really helpful, whatever it is, like something that that I think is somewhat inspired. And then we just sort of started having fun with doing um, live streams. Uh, but we're we're still basically a podcast in terms of long form content, like that's re- and we don't sit here and we do our talking head political nonsense, <laughs> but 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 we also bring on authors, experts, people, journalists, people that have firsthand that report. So I don't claim to know things; I'm just claiming to invite on other people who know things. Hey, I mean, if you're you can't be an expert at everything. No. So that's what that's what that's what we do. And by the way, you and Pete have some swag. You got the back and forth banter going. So props, props to what y'all doing. And by the way, I'm kind of bummed that I can't be in the studio with y'all today because I had shirts, I had swag lined up for you. So next oh. time. Oh, yeah. Where are you? You're you're near here, yeah. You're east. Yeah, I live in Coral Springs. Oh, okay. So you're just north. Okay. Yeah, we're a plantation, so we're not too far. But this we, is, I don't know what other people would think of this. Like to me, it's like. 
we, we have a poor man's version of, I guess, what we would want to have, like kind of like a Tim Pool okay. type studio. Oh, where okay. We do. Well, I'm not saying I we love have a that Tim kind Pool of, studio. Yeah, that, that would be, be nice. Great. But we do have the chairs. You know, uh, we, have, we have. They're like beanbag chairs. Let me explain to you that we are one step above Wayne and Garth. <laughs> one step above, and I say one step above only because. Our garage is separate, like I'm in a separate outbuilding from my house versus in the basement. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we're doing here, like by the seat of our pants. <laughs> We've been doing that for four years, like just by the seat of our pants, not knowing what the hell we're doing and just sort of winging it. That's what makes it fun. Just putting yourself out there, trying new things and seeing what happens, tweaking. And, you know, I, I tell you, this whole setup back here did not happen overnight. This has been years in the making. and thousands of hours, tens yeah. of thousands of dollars just to learn. There was a point where I was just miserable in my day job, hated it. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I was like, I go back to school, get my master's degree. That's going to be about 45 K plus, <laughs> or I can just invest it in myself and start learning, you know, school of YouTube. And I started, you know, just started from the bottom. Now we here, so to speak. So what do you cover? Like what kinds of topics do you do? What's your show about? So the main show I host, well, I got my start with a show called The Awesome Dad Show because I am an awesome dad. You can tell <laughs> that because I have a rubble cup here. And um, I eventually, people weren't paying me to teach them how to be an awesome dad. So I ended up hosting and focusing <laughs> on a show called The After Hours Entrepreneur. You know, much like Gary Vee, I think that, you know, I, I just think that there's such opportunity if you can get out there and, and take it. And quite frankly, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know if you get this, but every restaurant I go into, every retail establishment, I see people, they're just unhappy and unfulfilled and they're not filled with passion. Like, okay, their family's fed. That's great. But what's next? And so I just try to empower people, give people the tools to kind of start your own side hustle and turn it into a thriving six figure business. And that's, that's the, that's the way to do it, baby. You make your own Make your own, make your own luck, so to speak. Yeah. So do you, do you have people on, like, do you do interviews and stuff like that? Like, yeah. So that's what you're talking about. It's not just you sitting there and giving advice. Well, I, and I do some of that Yeah. because I think, you know, one of the cool things about podcasting in this format is you can kind of flesh out ideas better than let's say a 15 second TikTok that tells you to buy Dogecoin. <laughs> Great advice, by the way, Doge it up. Um, I've, I, I own some Doge. I'm not going to lie. I, I, do I don't even know what that is. It's well, you don't really like Elon very much, so. Oh no, <laughs> that's a Muscafant thing. It's, Those are Muscafants. Are you a Tesla driver? I, I've got a bunch of crypto. I just find Doge. I do not have a Tesla, although I'd love okay. to have a Tesla. They're all backed up like crazy. Muscafants um, buy Teslas. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but uh, you know, Dogecoin just kind of like an internet meme that turned into like a massive crypto. Uh, currency, but we don't have to talk about cryptocurrency. When I start talking about cryptocurrency, typically people's eyes glaze over. Don't get me started on NFTs and all that. Um, we could talk about AI. I think that's interesting. You know, if we talk about empowerment to the people and the World Economic Forum just announced that 85 million jobs are going to be displaced in the next two years, thanks to AI. So I think that's kind of a fascinating topic too. It's an interesting well, thing to talk about, but I, yeah. I feel like there's such this intersectionality between what you're talking about there and the climate situation. And I, I was just talking about this book I'm reading and what really sort of freaks me out is we're talking about jobs 
that are basically just cogs in a machine of industrialization. It's not like what you're saying where it's people are really thriving, right? It's people even with jobs are just struggling to get by. And when you talk about it from that perspective, it's kind of like what you were talking about, how people are just really unhappy. Mm. And, and I think that, that that's a huge, huge problem. And when you talk about things like losing their jobs and it's like, what are they going to be relegated to now? And what if people were already doing what they wanted to do? Then they wouldn't be able to be replaced by robots as easily. You know, it's, it's sort of like, but in order for that to happen, we need to be living in sort of smaller, more sustainable communities instead of giant capitalist, industrialist, gigantic things, because that's what make people cogs. Well, I mean, greed is the root of all sorts of evil, as, yeah. as the saying goes, no doubt, no doubt there. Um, you know, I, I try to empower people on a smaller local level. I'll give you a perfect example of this. Yeah. I was invited to speak at Piper High School. This oh. is pre-pandemic pre-pandemic, pre-lockdown. I was, you know, before being in podcast production and media, I ran an insurance agency for almost a decade. So I've got a pretty good feel for, for that. And I was invited to go speak to some of the, the high schoolers in a class to talk about insurance and credit. The first question I asked, Jen, you're going you're gonna to love this. Love it. You're probably going to cry. The first question I asked in, my, in the session was, who here knows what a credit rating is? You know how many hands went up in that class? They Zero. don't know. They not, don't know. No. Not, you're a senior in high school. You don't know what a credit rating is. By the uh, way, twice I, I spoke to the two classes, none of them. Zero. Ooh. That's not a good percentage. No, it's pretty bad. When was that? What year was that? I'd, I'd have to check my uh, my calendar, but we're t I think it was 18 and 19. I spoke to, to two classes and two Okay, seniors. so it was a few years ago. It was a few years ago. Yeah, it was, it was before, before the pandemics. I was actually lined up to go in during 2020, but because of the pandemics and the lockdowns and, and all that, I, you know, that got shut down. Um, because I'll tell you this, they, they now have, because my son's in high school and the state now requires this financial literacy course. Hmm. Um, that's a statewide, I mean, he, he's at a, a private school, but it's a required state thing. Um, that they have to take. Now, who knows the level of competence with, with, with which that is being presented and taught. That's, you know, another story. But that, that would at least be, if it were being done properly, the, the perfect opportunity to be teaching things like credit score. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to have any success in life if you're taking out, if you don't know how credit card debt works? Well, they don't want them to know how that works because then they won't get sucked into the machine and end up with all sorts of debt and payday loans and basically be living hand to mouth for eternity. Yeah, they won't be able to be good serfs if they're able to actually have, you know, generational wealth. And this is where the intersection uh, between the progressive uh, left and the libertarian side of politics really tends to intersect because there's this belief of some sort that people, especially people on the right, think that people on the left want to be dependent on government. No, no. that's not what it is at all. In fact, uh, the less government, the better, because the idea is to not entrench you into a system. The government is supposed to be working for us, not the other way around. 
And so when you have a system that makes you solely dependent on them for whatever it is, uh, if you have a job and then, you know, your skill is not reappropriated, whatever that may be, uh, you know, we've had wonderful conversations with Andrew Yang in particular about worker displacement and having, uh, you know, this dependency on menial jobs that don't offer any real skill sets. I think it goes without saying that the knowledge is power and the things that you are doing that we also learned from Roberto when he was on are the types of things that everyday people really should know and understand. And it's completely nonpartisan. I mean, to me, this is not a political issue we're debating here. This is about whether, as the old adage goes, give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day, learn, teach a person how to fish, they'll eat for the rest of their life. If you teach a person a skill, it could last forever. That's why I and, and Jen as well are huge advocates for tuition-free trade schools in the United States. If you want to learn how to do a skill, you should be able to do that skill and not have to go into debt in order to be able to acquire it. I just think we should offer four more years. People can't seem to wrap their heads around this. You know, people, we didn't always have K through 12. So the fact that now we're saying, however many, a hundred years later, we think we might want to add a few more years to that and be more, you know, I don't know, educated. Uh, it, it throws people off. And I mean, I just feel like we're all better off surrounded by healthy, educated people. Like, why do I want uneducated, unhealthy people around me? So, you know, yeah, the education thing can be trade school. It can be whatever, whatever you want to do for those four years. Have at it. No doubt. I mean, the, the idea of you need to take out tons of debt, go to a university is, it, honestly, it's, it's a huge scam, you know, yes. because you never get rid of that debt. You can't get rid of that debt. It's not forgivable. Even if you go bankrupt, you're still stuck with your student debt. <laughs> I mean, there's, I, I mean, I, I can't think of any specific examples, but it's, it's absolutely horrible. Debt is, is just a terrible, terrible thing and, and help people get out of that. And, and, and heck, if you're a plumber, electrician, AC person, you can, you can do extremely well. You can have a huge impact oh, on yeah. your family and a lot of, in your community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great point by Carla Harrington, big supporter of the show. Back in the seventies, we had to take a family living course, which taught you basic home cooking, ec. maintenance and budgeting skills. Home ec. We yeah. called it home economics. That was that was what we had. We had that too. And 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 you gotta wonder, both of you. We also why, learned typing. What? But why is it home ec or arithmetic things like that? Why is that generally not taught in school anymore? I wonder why. Well, they learn math, but it's they don't learn good applied math. They learn, like my son's struggling with geometry, which he'll never need. You know, I, I got to just get him through this in one. Well, piece. he may want to work on the spaceship. You never know. Love saying. of all that is holy. I mean, we have a state that's definitely very popular in that regard. So. Uh, but why do you what think it, we have been depleted significantly from your perspective yeah, yeah. as to why a lot of these self-sustaining, you know, type of skills are not being taught as almost second, you know, as, as, without even an afterthought, it should be required in many respects. But today it seems that we've really moved away from that. And technology, I think, is uh, as much as it's our greatest asset, it's also our greatest uh, detriment at the same time. It's a tough one, you know, and, and Pete, I think you and Jen kind of hit the nail on the head. There's very rich, very powerful people that have an incentive that keep the keep people like you and me continuously taking out debt, not understanding the credit rating. So we take out a bad credit card. We max it out. Oh, crap. What do I do? I'll take out another credit card and pay that off. And then before you know, it, you're completely stuck in the system, not to mention the 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 college scam of taking out huge amounts, hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. To maybe get a job that's not even relevant 
to that to that topic. I'll give you an example. You know, you, you see that there's this massive teacher strike in London. My wife is a teacher. She teaches at a school down here. She teaches kindergarten. In order for her to get a job teaching kindergarten, she needed a four-year degree from university. And I, I don't really see how that adds up. You know, and maybe, right. maybe understands this more than I do, but, you know, do you really need a four-year in a hundred thousand dollar degree to teach kindergarten. I don't know. That doesn't line up for me. Well, it just shouldn't be a debt process for things that are, especially for things that are public servant position things like things that are essentials should not be anything people go into debt to do because these are people that do it because they like what they do, obviously. So at, at a, at a minimum, their education should be paid for so that they could do this job. And it's people that want to do that job, but it doesn't make any sense. And then even within the school system, let's say you go back and get your master's degree, right? Well, yeah, you'll get a small bump in your salary. You'll get a some small pittance, you know, bump in your salary, but it won't compensate you for the amount of time and money it took you to get your master's degree. Oh, Forget about it. The master's degree. Yeah. You know what? I think that's one of the, you know, and Pete, I think made a good point about the internet being a blessing and a curse yeah. at the same time. Because, and Roberto can attest to this, I think we're moving into a new economy where employers, they're not going to really care what's on that piece of paper. They're going to say, well, what can you do for me now? What's the result that you can bring me? Yeah. What's something that you've created? You know, it's just a different world. What, is, what are we saying here? What are you pointing Article at? Article one, section eight, of the Constitution, power of the purse. Are we? What, what are we? What are we discussing? Is somebody wanting me to like cite something? I mean, I what are we talking of the about show, here? Danny Wyndham once. Uh, what is, What are we saying here? Article one, section Article eight. Article one, section eight of the Constitution. Congress has the power of the purse. Yeah, well, that's lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, pay the debts, and provide for the common defense and the general welfare. General welfare. Yeah. No. So yeah, we're going to pretend that that doesn't exist. And yeah. So in other words, yes, our debts could be forgiven. Our debts could be forgiven by them, but it could be our debts could be forgiven by executive order now. Note how they're not. Well, well I think so that's an interesting topic too, because I really feel like personal responsibility is important. And I don't think it it it's good for the trust of um of, of financial institutions if People know, hey, my debt could be forgiven and maybe yours couldn't. Now, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who has student debt and he would maybe be eligible for, um, I don't even know what the term is for it now, but he was uh, he was looking at getting uh, student loan forgiveness. Right. We were having kind of a nuanced conversation about it because on, on one hand, if you've been hoodwinked into taking out debt that's not helping you, that's no good. But the other hand, it I think it creates a lot of problems with, with fairness and trust, if, hey, that guy got his debt relieved, why didn't I get my debt relieved? That's not fair. So I think that's a, a, a very kind of complex topic. Yeah, there's nuance. To, like, I mean, we've talked about this. There's nuance to it. And so my, my thought is this on that. Like, I just finished paying off law school not that long ago. Um, I graduated in 2000. Okay. So, so yeah, smash that like button for paying off that law school debt, baby. Let's go. So, and I was able to do that because I have a husband that earns decent income and we're able to do that. Most people are not able to do that even in that amount of time. And that was 23 years. Right. So, I mean, that was a really long time. And I think the, what I would think would be a good idea was I didn't have 
a predatory usury situation. I was consolidated at like usury. four usury. Usury. Okay, I said it wrong. Yes. <laughs> I was consolidated at like 4.25. My loans weren't excessive. My law school tuition was high, but I went to a smaller private school. It is what it is, right? So, but the people that have loans that are much more usurious, what I think is once you've paid back what you borrowed, plus a reasonably determined percentage that isn't rapery, then you should be free. And you have people that at this point, they're still paying off. They've already long paid what they borrowed at this point. Like, it's absurd. Yeah. So, and if you think about people saying, well, it's not fair, but we're at a different era now. When a lot of people, like, I don't, I don't feel bad that I paid off my loan. My loan wasn't, like I said, I don't think that that's, and I don't begrudge other people that. Um, if somebody's getting screwed, why would we not want to have that money in the economy? Because that's what would happen. We're talking about a boost to the economy. We're not talking about wealthy people that are going to just go reinvest it. We're talking about people that will now be able to do things like get a new car, you know, or, you know, whatever they're going to do. Everything, unfortunately, is backwards in our economy in so many ways. And, of course, it's done deliberately for that purpose. There is no point in canceling student debt if you're not going to have tuition-free public college and trade schools. Correct. Because the same problem will repeat itself. Over yeah. and over and over again. And the only reason why it isn't tuition free or we have this on an imaginable amount of debt is because the banks, corporate special interests run our government. And when they figure out a way to basically screw us over royally, I mean, I can remember when I was in college in New Jersey, leave it at that. Uh, one of the things that we learned is that the New Jersey Turnpike, when it was constructed during the Eisenhower administration, as part of the National Highway Act, uh, it was only supposed to have tolls in order to pay off the cost of building the highway. Imagine that, just you know, making up that debt, which was gonna go at this, I think into like the mid 60s. But once that was established, that they literally had a cash cow on their hands now. Oh, wait, you mean to tell me we could be charging people and Port Authority is the absolute most corrupt of them all, to drive into New York City. Now it's $15, and it's only one way. You only have to pay if you're on the Jersey side going into New York. So what you're saying is it's now a scam. It's been a scam for, for not decades, generations now. It is a scam. And how there isn't this, you know, it's like you see in the UK, like you brought up, the teachers that are striking because their pay is so ridiculously low, their benefits are so ridiculously bad, mm -hmm. you know, we in the United States, we're like gluttons for punishment. I don't understand why we're not willing to say, yeah, we're not taking the shit anymore. Well, some, I think you, you nailed the, the, uh, nailed the nail on the head, so to speak with, you, I don't think that it, it makes sense just to kind of say, Hey, we're going to forgive the highest potential income earners without having an option like the, the education for the trade. I think the trades are very, very much underrated. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I just think that it's, you know, we know that kids start to know, are they more academically inclined or not? And that there should be multiple options because going to college, unless you're going to graduate school now, is really just pointless. There other than you need to, it doesn't teach you anything more. It's just an additional four years of education, which is great. That's great. But it's not getting you any high paying job that's even going to pay it off, like we said. So what's the point? You know, I mean, it's just, it's not, 
it's about like going to, uh, you know, I have a degree in business, business management and marketing, right? Four-year degree. And I went into insurance, which there was no, there was no need for a degree to go into insurance. Right. And now I run a podcast production agency, which quite frankly, none of the, none of the stuff that I had learned previously, it, it, I mean, it's, it's relevant, but you know how you learn, you learn by doing. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, I've been in Florida a long, long time. Love it here. Sunshine state. Let's go. We got beaches. If you haven't been to the beach in a while, get there. <laughs> but during school, I took at least eight to nine years of Spanish. Memorizing all the words, taking the Spanish right. test. I couldn't speak anything. I remember senior year, my Spanish teacher's like, hola, I'm only speaking in Spanish for the rest of the semester. I was like, oh crap, I'm done. I couldn't speak any of it. Yeah. After I got a job in a restaurant, I was working in the back of the restaurant and everyone spoke Spanish. You know, I was speaking Spanish left and right within two months. So I really believe that you learn by doing right? And, and yes. at least with some fields. Sure. If you're, a, if you're going to go into law, if you're going to be a medical doctor, right. you probably need a degree, right? But yeah. do I really need to spend 120000 to learn how to run a business? It's probably better I spend 120000 trying to build businesses. You're going to learn more by trying and failing. I can say that from firsthand experience, knowing yeah. what myself and what my siblings chose to do. You know, I went to a state school and I studied political science and journalism. And I have to say, what I learned in college was actually pretty valuable. In fact, the most important class I took was government and business My uh, the beginning of my junior year. Uh, I learned so much from that class, and I can't remember the professor's name, but he had the most thick Boston accent and debating business to government and what's good and what's not. And it was uh, perfect timing in many ways because this was 0304. So we're in the midst of you know the Iraq invasion. Or, or Iraq war, whatever you want to call it. Let's just say it was really, really terrible. And uh, the backdrop of the 04 election, and you really, like, that's valuable when you're in college. But I was at a distinct advantage because I happened to be from New Jersey. I was at a state college I was able to get into. And my yearly tuition was like $6,500, uh, most people are not able to get that. And I also was a commuter for two years. So I was in a fortunate position where I didn't have to go into debt in order to get an education. But most people don't have that luxury. They just don't. And one of the great things about Florida uh, and, and sort of the, it's sort of like the counterbalance because the public education system in the state of Florida is not good at all. The, the, K through 12, you're talking Correct. about. Yes. But college yeah. is really good. Correct. And part of that reason is because overwhelmingly people that come to college in Florida are coming from out of state and that costs an arm and a leg more than it does for people who are in state. So the whole system is so out of whack. I, I just, I wish more people could just separate the red versus the blue BS and recognize that most of the problems that we have, especially when you get away from the culture war stuff, most people agree on just about everything. It's really, we're really not that divided. And, and that's the that's the consensus I'm hoping that we can get to as we continue to have these types of conversations. I mean, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. So I've, I, I'm kind of curious your opinion on this. Um, again, my wife's a teacher. I got two young kids. Education's important. It's, fr it's really freaking important. Yeah. The, there's just been an announcement that, uh, I guess DeSantis announces that he's announced this, that they're going to be increasing uh, pay for teachers and they're putting in another $250 million into the budget. 
do you think that's going to actually help the public school system? I would hope. I would hope. I mean, government sucks at everything, but I mean, $250 million probably would help, right? Well, you know what? I mean, I can speak firsthand about something that DeSantis did regarding education because my son has learning issues and we used to be able to get a certain type of scholarship like for help and, and stuff like that. And then there was like a couple of years where we didn't. And he actually came in and reinstituted it and we got back paid for the year that we didn't get and money for this year. And it was like, so he has definitely been putting money into education. And so I do think that that's good. And I do think that it's something that could be helpful because I know it was helpful to me. Yeah, the hard line that a lot of people can't get past and especially what we deal with regarding you know, being in the Democratic Party here in South Florida and obviously throughout the state because it's been completely decimated. Um, And, you know, we're very, I mean, I'm very transparent. I I believe that our Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is at the head of the class, if you will, as to why that is the case. But one of the things that cannot be denied is the Democratic side tends to really fall into the trap when it comes to the social war, the cultural war that ends up happening. And I think that DeSantis is extremely cruel when it comes to that. But he's also on a war path to get to the White House. And he's trying to basically, yeah. you know, s- snatch away the very culturally uh, conservative part of the GOP that Trump has basically had unlocked for the past five, six years. And he's the only person who can actually do it. I mean, they announced today that Nikki Haley is going to be running for president. She's going nowhere. So it's it's really just about She'd be a good running mate for him, though. Maybe. Maybe. Which is what I said a while ago. I said that would, I would, I look, I'd prefer A lot of her, people are running for vice president is basically. What I, well, doing. that's how it always goes. But I would prefer yeah. her to Carrie Lake. Well, sure. I can definitely see that. I mean, Kat, Nikki Haley is actually a stateswoman and is, you know, it yeah, depends I don't on how you look at like it. have a real beef with Nikki Haley. But what I do see as being the is sort of this like counter argument. And, you know, one of the things that when Gillum ran for governor, that I do believe he would have done differently, which DeSantis is not. Uh, we're a state that basically is allowing for charter schools to get the necessary funds for public schools. And that is not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, you could probably speak better to this. Well, that's my, when I hear about what you just said about him giving money, as long as that money is going to, you know, the, the public schools and not charter schools, then that and also I, I you know the choice argument is ridiculous that's just another way to siphon money from the public to the private sector so for me any money that goes to public schools actually and if it especially if it raises teacher salaries is well needed and he's you know what he's kind of he's really smart about what he's doing and which policies he's putting in and who he's reaching i mean he he's doing things that people don't like like that are the left left but he's really helping a lot of regular people. This is the this is the danger that I think a lot of people really underestimate when it comes to our governor. Yeah. Two out of three people don't vote for somebody at the top because they're dumb or they don't understand. Yes, there is a portion of that voting block without question that are uninformed, that are strictly voting on party lines. They don't ask any questions. They do not care one way or the other what that person actually stands for. That's basically the 50-50 split. But when you're talking a 20 to 25 point swing, now you're talking about perhaps three to four million informed voters throughout the state who are looking at this and saying, I really like what this guy is doing 
when it comes to the economic line. I may not agree with him with what he's doing socially, but that's also the barometer that many people never want to talk about. There are tens of millions of people in this country who hate Donald Trump, but there's just as many who will never say it in public, but will go to the ballot box and they'll vote for him. And that is really the danger of allowing these types of culture war fights to completely dominate the conversation. Because people will vote their wallet, ultimately. To me, what's happening in the UK right now with tens of thousands of teachers in the streets, did you see what was happening in London? You have it pulled up. What is that? The well, you have what I mean. Is that an article that you were going it to? It is. Okay. If it's if, if it's all right with you, Mark, we'll we'll pull up the article and uh, we'll, we'll discuss it. Yeah, we're That's talking cool. education. Yeah. All right. Let's see which one do you have. So we have British workers unite in largest strike in a generation, which I think is very relevant. And this, of course, is no. not going to get mainstream attention because it doesn't go with the narrative. The narrative is to say we're divided on these culture war lines, and so. Here we go with hundreds of thousands of te- hundreds of thousands, excuse me, yeah. of teachers are among those who walked off their jobs to demand wages that keep pace with inflation. How dare they? How dare they inconvenience how, us? No, and how dare they want their wages to keep up with inflation? Shouldn't they just be grateful that they get to work, uh, you know, 20 hours a week? Taking care of other kids? people's children? Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, <laughs> easy job. It's an easy job. Up to half of, I always say the two most underappreciated professions, teachers and nurses. Let me, no, and I've said there is actually, even if teachers made, let's say teachers made what they were really deserving to make. There, Let me just say this. There is double. no amount of money. You could even double that. That would make me be a teacher. There's no amount of money. I, th- that job, and I'm talking like kids, like the idea of kindergarten, I, I'd rather get a root canal. <laughs> like I, I really like, I can't even. The stories that I hear, oh my word. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy teaching. That's really what I do with my show and my mastermind group and all that. But when it comes to little kids. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. Seriously. You know, okay. So from the British perspective. Oh, don't do that. Shall we iron a few things out? No. Teachers stop aren't like that. paid for school holidays. Teachers are paid for working a maximum of 1,265 hours over 195 days or 6.5 hours per day in term time. Can you please stop? My wife is a teacher. She arrives at work (laughs) at 7.30 every day. She leaves work at 16.30, that's 4.30, at the earliest, often later. That's a minimum of two and a half hours of unpaid work every day. That excludes marking at home, planning, going into school during the holidays for results days, exam prep, and study days, after school meetings, supporting extracurricular activities, Parents' evenings, open days, the list goes on. Teachers are asking that they get a pay raise in line with inflation, but even the 5% they've been offered isn't fully funded. As the government's 5% offer is not fully funded, part of the pay raise, pay rise, has to come from school budgets. That means fewer books, resources, clubs, and staff for your kids. That's not the teacher's choice, that's the government's choice. Let's make that clear. The government's best offer is one that will make kids' education worse. Teachers and schools aren't the ones charging you for taking your kids out of school to go on holiday. Your local authority does that at the insistence of the government. So this was by the union, the head of the union? Yes. Okay. Because this is, uh, they're going to be in a quite a pickle here with this. Yeah. This is a very serious problem 
Up to half a million British teachers, civil servants, trained drivers, and university lecturers have walked off their jobs to demand better pay and working conditions in the largest coordinated strike action in a generation as wages fail to keep pace with soaring inflation. About 300,000 people on strike Wednesday are teachers. According, okay, so there's a lot of other people too that are walking with them. I mean, this is massive. I think janitors and others join them in this. The National Education Union said about 23,000 schools will be affected on Wednesday with an estimated 85% fully or partially closed. Closed. Now, I believe, and this is and this is my opinion, you we go. don't have to dive you even go, deeper into people. the article, but Mark, I think you would definitely agree that the main premise here and the reason why this story is not under any circumstances going to get heavy airplay here in the oh, States no. is because this will give ideas to the working man and woman who have been completely subjugated by the system and think, well, if the Brits can do it, why the hell can't we do it? Stay in your place, peon. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that's going to impact their entire economy because if there's no teachers in class, you can't just have the kids. It's, it's not going to be Lord of the Flies in the kindergarten room. That's no Are good. you sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. It would degenerate very quickly. You leave, you know, 25, four-year-olds in one class. Oh, my goodness, no. Yes, and then maybe people will appreciate teachers. See, I think that things have to get, like, people don't like things getting uncomfortable, but that's the point of a strike. If it were comfortable then it wouldn't do anything like that's the th like and we of course you know here you have a situation where railroad workers well i mean even in florida specifically yeah. you have a situation where we're a right to work state you know you have very weak unions that you know we have teachers that are so underpaid and especially in broward broward county teachers are make less money than miami-dade and palm beach teachers um and we're, they're getting nowhere here they have no power. They have nothing. So why would we want to give them ideas? Yeah, no kidding. You know, and the other, the other thing, and forgive me, I'm not an expert on this. Like politics are very complicated. There's so <laughs> many, everything is interconnected. Yeah. What do you all think about teachers unions? Because it's my understanding <laughs> that teachers unions take a big chunk out of the paycheck. I will give you a great example, my friend. We and have some is issues. What, yeah, there, so one of the, the biggest issue that I we can share, of course, is that Labor is the side that we're on, and that's the main reason why, you know, you're in the Democratic Party. The biggest reason to be in the Democratic Party, as it should be constructed, it isn't today. It's a party. Right, of how it was. Today, how it's meant to today be. the Democratic Party is the party of Wall Street, Silicon yeah, Valley, yeah, yeah. and the military-industrial complex. But the labor theory, like the, it's supposed to be. Labor. That's what it's supposed to be. Right. Now, of course, the GOP has seized on that opportunity, even though both parties do not represent labor. So the idea is to have at least one labor party in the United States. That's why there is this growing labor movement that's happening. Uh, what I see as the big problem with unions, especially in right-to-work states like what we have, is that it's not the rank and file that's the problem. It's the union bosses and delegates that are the problem. And so when they can arbitrarily make decisions over the heads of the rank and file and against the will of the rank and file- All the time. Which happened many times, especially when Jen ran against Wasserman Schultz for Congress, and two people in particular that stood out. The one locally was Dan Reynolds, who's the head of the Broward County AFL-CIO. Not only does he control 
all of the local unions, from the firefighters to the police to the iron workers to the uh, longshoremen, all they all fall under his purview. He has been literally in bed with Wasserman Schultz for Stop 20- saying that. Oh, okay, literally. figuratively, I'm sorry. <laughs> Politically in bed with Wasserman Schultz for 25 years. And if that's not enough, he is the second ranking member of the AFL-CIO in the entire state of Florida. He is the managing secretary. So they wouldn't even give a screening and instead automatically endorsed and had all the rank and file basically not even have an option to hear another op- to hear somebody else. But then they support someone who even at that time, she's like trying to fast track the TPP, right? This is not a pro-labor person. This is also somebody who's been in bed with payday lenders for decades. But I mean, it, it's- yeah, it's just the, the point is, is that union leadership is not necessarily always acting in the best interest of rank and file. Now, that's not always the case. Like we have Double K, who's, you know, retired union and like the, like the union. And also, I would point out that she lives in Wisconsin. And then you can take it one step further, which now goes to the national level which is the teachers Teachers union, Union. which could decide outside of the AFL-CIO if they wanted to endorse a candidate separate from the one that is generally the incumbent, which is often what the Democrats always do, which is just endorse the incumbent. But in this case, we couldn't even get a screening in because a lot of teachers like Jen, this went all the way to the top to Randy Weingarten. We had one conversation with her one time and she says, I'm sorry, I'm with Debbie. And that was the end of the conversation. She decided on behalf of all teachers that we support Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and that is the end of it. So when people talk about labor unions being a problem, it's not workers that are the problem. It's the bosses that are the problem who act no different than Fortune 500 company CEOs. Right. It's it's like politicians. It's the type, it's any, when you get to the top of the food chain and you want to keep the minions below you, you're going to maintain your power structure. And and that's how it goes. And it's much, much easier to do it in a right to work state. Yes. That's why the one piece of legislation that the Biden administration did have in the first 100 but days. But where is that, by the way? Where is it? The PRO Act. But where is it? Was the, nowhere. Oh. And it's even worse because Minnesota just made a mockery of it. I'll tell you about that later. Okay. Uh, the fact that you had a actual federal piece of legislation. And yeah, it's chock full of a whole bunch of crap. We know that. But one of the main principles. It had a couple good things. Of the PRO Act is the ability the ability to uh, to basically override right to work law states that would have been huge especially for labor organizing in a state like Florida which yeah. so much of our economy is based on uh, obviously the service industry so to be able to get above that would have been significant but there always seems to be a reason why working class principle policy never ever seems to get passed ever. And if it is, it's diluted so much with Silicon Valley and Wall Street's influence, then what the hell's the point of passing it anyway? It's like when the it's like the Dems are trying to tout the infrastructure bill. That is such a corporate slush fund of a bill that uh, there will be some benefit, but it will be so minute. You which one? Be able wait, to which see. bill did you just say? The infrastructure. Oh, the, bill. Oh. It's like a, a thousand page bill that was put on people's desks the day before the vote. Is that is that the one you're referring we, to? We, we have to pass it before the we omnibus it. bill. Right. <laughs> it's an omnibus bill. I'd say it's ominous. But, um, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing like when I hear people like Matt Gates sounding reasonable when he was on Tim Pool and he was specifically talking about how what they're pushing for is to go back to a bill is what it is. It's one thing like the, the yeah. whole 
piling things in and sliding things in and making it so they can't read it and just all of that. And this is, so now I'm sitting here as somebody kind of on the left or I'll, you know, here I'm probably all the way around through the other side and backwards, (laughs) but like, you know, and I'm looking at someone like Matt Gates, and he's seemingly the most reasonable person I'm listening to when we're talking about that. That's not a good look for Democrats. And the Dems are notorious for doing uh, heavy handed bills. I'll tell you, the best congressional representative in recent memory, although uh, we're both big fans of Sheila Sherfulis McCormick, who just made it to Capitol Hill. She's really good. And she is your representative. Um, what I will say is we, when we used to have a congressional representative. No, he's Moskowitz. Oh, you think? Yeah, I think you're Moskowitz, right? Who's your congressperson? Was it Ted Deutsch? It was Ted Deutsch. Okay, okay so, so then, then you're Moskowitz. Okay. Well, okay. just over over in Tamarack, <laughs> over to the right slightly. On the other side of the tracks. Yeah, it's kind of, trust me, when you see how these districts are cut, you you, oh. you lose your mind. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, when Alan Grayson, who was in Congress for the Democratic Party, he would do bills that were no more than three or four pages. He would specifically draw up bills that say, everyone and their mother can read this and understand it. You don't need a thousand or in the case of the omnibus bill, I think it was like 4,200 pages. It I was mean, ridiculous. Well, that, again, and somebody's in there. No, I don't like Matt Gates. He, he and I probably, if that might be one of two things we'd ever agree on. My point is, why is it that the people that are not supposedly the reasonable people are the people fighting for reasonable at least structure to what we're doing? Like, they make, they're at least f- trying to have some sort of transparency and democracy. Just some. Well, and I, I think that's partially why Trump and MAGA got so much excitement because you've got this uniparty that's just, they're all, you know, trading money and oh. sending, sending money over overseas and, and war and missiles and tanks and all that stuff. And I think that's why, you know, a big part, I'll tell you what, there was one thing Trump said, and he said a lot of things I did not like, but there was yeah. one thing he said in a debate where I was like, did he just say that? Where he said, listen, y'all, the financial system is broken. It's all a scam. And I know because I, I play the game. That is totally that is totally not what I said. I will repeat what I said. I said, the system is totally rigged. It's rigged against you. And how do I know this? Because I participate in the game. Believe me, I know it really well. That's what he said. You know what he said once that I really appreciated? This stands to mind. And this is probably yeah. the only thing in four years. No, that we're I could totally going to Syria for the oil. Stop. We're going there for the when oil. When he said that. <laughs> When he said on camera, he said, no, we're we're there for the oil. I actually stopped in the middle of what I was doing and turned to the TV and said, thank you, sir, for your fine candor. I appreciate that. Like, no one ever says that. No one ever says that. We're there to protect the Syrian people. He's gassing his people. We have to protect them. All that. No, we're there for the oil. I loved it. That to me stands out. I will take, forever appreciate that. You have to take out their families. They're really <laughs> terrible people. And I'm just thinking, everything he's saying is something he heard from somebody on the inside who says the same stuff. They did a scene like that in uh, House of Cards where he, he's basically telling them, okay, the terrorist is here, but we're going to have to take out about a dozen innocent women and children. And he's like, okay. All right, let's do that. Yeah, that's what we got to do. For, for, for freedom and democracy and, well, we're and liberty. Right. We need to kill that. them for their, for freedom. We have democracy. to kill them in order to bring them their freedom. <laughs> and that's the side, sell this and that's the side of politics that really gets you bogged down into the minutia that no one really wants to get stuck in. 
because we're very fortunate to live in the United States, even though we have yeah. a lot of problems here, but we're surrounded by two oceans. We have military might that no one in the world can even sniff. Um, we do have- You say that like it's something to be proud of. No, but okay. it's something that gives I'm people not. a great- No, but it gives people a great sense of security, but also a great sense of bluster at the same time. I don't get it. You know, a lot of people want to have commentary about what's going on in Ukraine. And my attitude is simply, well, if you think war should continue, then maybe you might want to put on a uniform. And of course, that would never happen. So we- can find a lot of common ground if we are able to address issues that everyday people care about. When you get stuck in talking about ridiculous stuff, about is this book going to affect the way a person thinks? Is you know gender neutral bathrooms, all the type of stuff that people will have very strong opinions on. And very often, they get to the forefront because they know that those are dividing lines. If we're just having a conversation about should people have a living wage? Should people have universal health care? Should teachers get paid a living wage and have real benefits? Should we have a clean environment so that our water is not contaminated as it is in many parts of the state. Can I throw in three words? I have to just ask Mark his thoughts on this. You know, no other country in the world has this phrase, school lunch debt. Have you heard of school lunch debt? Do you know what that is? The kids in elementary school who they don't have the money for their student lunch. And so they get to the end of the line and they actually will take away their food tray and give them the, 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 the cheese white bread sandwich. Wow. Oh, there's school lunch debt. And if they don't pay it, like they hold them up. There's actually a school lunch debt. No other country has this. That's not a thing. They feed them breakfast and lunch and better food. And they've actually, I, I saw something, I forget what show it was, what movie where they were showing kids in other countries our typical school lunches. And kids in like Japan and France were like, oh. like disgusted with what we were feeding our kids in public school. Well, and I, I think a lot of this has to do with the uniparty, trying to keep our eyes off the what's important, right? Because yep. what we're talking about here is way more important than all the cultural nonsense. And, and it, it, you know, they're, 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 hide, they're hiding it, right? It's an old magician's trick. So I think giving more power back to the people and, and really empowering people to make money. I, I, I believe that no one's going to care about you and your family more than you. I, I you know, I don't really expect anyone to come save me. In fact, I was getting thousands of dollars from the government. And my job wasn't even impacted at all, you know, during the lockdowns. That's another story. But um, I, I just encourage everyone that I meet, everyone that I know to like, listen, if you want to change your circumstance, there's ways that you can do it. It's, it might not be easy, but it doesn't need to be complicated. You know, it can be going garage selling like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Um, but there, there are ways to empower, empower yourselves if, if you take the action. And, and obviously there's a, there is a part of the population that's dispossessed. You know, dad's gone. Mom's mom's a teacher, so she obviously isn't making any money. How do we help this this child afford a lunch that's nutritious? So, bit, really important stuff, and and that's what I want to see more of. I want to see more helping others, getting back to your local community, getting to the church, doing volunteer work. My mother, God bless her, she had a, a homeless woman up in her house for almost a decade. Wow. Because, you know, she just felt really strongly about it. So anyway, that's where I'm going way, 
<laughs> no, there. but the community, the community infrastructure that you're talking about is extremely important. And when we talk about kids not getting food, we have a friend, local nonprofit, uh, Zaina um, Woland, and runs an organization called Mobile School Pantry. Are you familiar with Mobile School Pantry? I'm not. Okay, she doesn't go at the furthest north. I think she goes is MLK, Water, like Waterhill. Waterhill. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what, but it's a local organization. And what she does is she sets up these amazing, uh, produce markets. She has other stuff too, but it's healthy food in school, in the schools that have the most amounts of kids and families on free and reduced lunch. And all of the families of that school can come and get stuff there. And it's like, she puts out a spread, like you look like you're in a fresh market. Like it's really nice. And so there are good local organizations. And I do think that when we talk about, when you talk about helping ourselves, I agree, but I think ourselves isn't just our immediate selves. Like, I think we definitely have like a community. And when you look at, you see the families that come through these schools, especially the, what it what the economic toll did to people during COVID because the food distributions like quadrupled. Like it was, I mean, and I don't know that it's even come down to be honest with you. Um, but it's sad that we need those community organizations. Like I wish we didn't need that. I wish everybody made a living wage and can afford to feed their family and have housing and, you know, like, but we don't. And that when you see community organizations coming up like that organically and helping people, it's the best way to do it. It feels, it fills your cup. It's just, you know, that it, to your point, we need more of that because I, you know, quite frankly, I don't, I don't expect the government to come help me and they just waste so much money and seeing, I, I love the local. I, I think going local is, is the best way to start and it, you know, and that's what we're doing. Like, that's what we donate to. Like all of the stuff we give to is, is local stuff. And like, for me, what, one of the things I want to do is I want to do a mobile closet, community closet. So have like a trailer type of boutique thing that goes around to different neighborhoods at different times for people that have job interviews, or if you have a court date or you have whatever, and you don't have, you know, uh, decent clothes. Like, I think that there's things we can all do that could bring other communities, raise, help raise up other communities. Well, um, I'll tell you what, Jen, when you're ready to do something, you've got four people, me and my two, me and my wife, my two kids, we're going to come out. We're going to help. We're, I don't know what it's going to be yet. You got to tell me. I don't either. Well, here's the thing. I'm in the early stages. I mean, what I need to do really is create a 501 C three so that I could start getting grant money. That's, that's sort of where I am right now, because honestly, I thought it through, like, all I would need is about a $45,000 grant. And I would be able to have like a really like coolly tricked out, like, trailer that was like a really cute boutique, have little dressing rooms and just have it on a schedule. So it rotates around, you know, you start like Zaina did like hand, handful of places, locations, and you expand. And then when it's not doing those hours, it could actually sell other things to help make money. So like have cute t-shirts or, you know, whatever, and go to other festivals and shows and make money so that you can sort of, I have this idea that it could actually be fairly self-sustaining. Hey, I, I, I love it. And you taking the action, you know, and I, I love starting messy where nothing is working, but you're just kind of figuring out little problems yeah. that, that to me. And I'll tell you what, when I was stuck in a nine to five job that I hated, I, I mean, it was, it was the worst. I, I just, I wake up every Monday, my bills are being paid. My family was fed, you know, not like some of these kids that we've been talking about. Yeah. So I at least had that, but 
I was miserable. I was miserable. Um, it's something, there's something to be said for, I'm going to start messy. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go fast and I'm going to, I'm going to make changes along the way. So, you know, if I can be part of that movement, I want to be part of that movement. I want to, I want to empower, you know, I want to empower these kids. So no kids going hungry and especially not here in Broward. Like there's no reason for it. There's no yeah. reason. Well, I, I mean, and I'll, I don't, I'm very good at connecting people. Like I have this thing about cross pollinating and making sure that people know people because the bigger the web is, the better off we are. So if there's ever any opportunity or chance where you would be looking for a local, like a nonprofit that you would want to promote or support a food distribution, as opposed to feeding South Florida, which, yeah, it's good, but like, it's, it's mass. Quality and is not good. Enough. It's not right. the same thing. If you really wanted to see like hands-on or, I, you know, I don't know how old your kids are, but they'll, they'll have parents will come and their kids will help and you get to see the setup and you get to give out the food. And it's so rewarding to do it at such a local level. But if you're ever interested, I'd totally be happy to connect you with Zaina. I mean, we love forwarding her any sort of volunteers. Hey, I, I, you know, listen, if I said it, I meant it. Right. And yeah. uh, I'm definitely down to, down to help, you know, especially the, the smaller organizations where they're not without all the administrative gloat and bureaucracy that typically comes along with that. Yeah. Mark, we can't thank you enough, obviously, for coming on this evening. Um, how can people find you, what you're working on? Obviously the floor is yours, share away. You can find Mark Spot Media all across the web, every platform. You can listen to After Hours Entrepreneur on your favorite podcast player after hours entrepreneur after hours entrepreneur it's listen it's 10 o'clock on a on a night i've been onboarding new clients bringing on new team members and i'm here baby i'm here for it and um and know, what do you help other people with like their podcasts their stations their stuff yeah so i mean my my core business i'll typically i help business owners launch grow and monetize podcasts um I work with business owners, but the show after hours entrepreneur is really, I mean, it's really designed to help someone say, leave the job that you hate, start profiting off of your passion, start finding another way to make money, start, yeah. you break out of that college debt, break out of that, that lie that you need all these certifications, all these licensing, all these years of college and, you know, start, start finding ways to make it happen. It can be as easy as starting a YouTube channel. And maybe that works and maybe that links you to another person or maybe you start your 501c3 and then that turns into something, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, when you start trying and, and failing and, and learning, it really brings you, I think, a sense of purpose uh, to your life. Um, and, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work, but at the very, at the very least, you're going to learn new skills and you're going to meet new people. You're going to build your network. And, and I think as we go into this world of AI and tech, I think really that's what, what's going to matter is, is leveling up your skill set and not being complacent um, in your day job. You know, whether you love that or hate that, technology is going to change everything. And um, it's, I think it's time to start learning new skills and, and um, leveling up. Yeah. Okay. I think it's important for people to be inspired and feel inspired, but that, and that's one of the reasons why I fight hard for people to have a social safety net so that people can do things. If you have, don't worry about losing your healthcare and you can actually do things and feel more at liberty. I think people would be generally happier and freer um, if they weren't slaves to their jobs. Agreed, agreed. Couldn't end on a better note. Mark, thank you so much. Guys, please check out Mark Savant Media as well as After Hours Entrepreneur, YouTube, uh, Spotify, 
Uh, and Apple Mark, Podcast. if you think of anything to help us, you know, we're struggling. We're small, but we're mighty. I say yeah. we're small, but mighty, but we're definitely suppressed. Yes, we're, we're, we're depressed, depressingly suppressed, but that doesn't mean that we will not continue to grow. And obviously we would love to have you come to the studio and check us out. Uh, see what we could do to improve, and of course, uh, we will definitely be. In Come touch. check out Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> y'all have the y'all have the y'all have the, the like the the mentality to make it happen, and you just need a sh- all you need is a couple of shirts, and I got your swag. I'll bring you some swag. It'll be fun. That'd be cool. Digging Very it, cool. digging it. Have a great night, my friend. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone. Very informative conversation. Very fun, fun, fun. And I love meeting localer people. Yes, absolutely. And if you guys do enjoy our fun conversations, we would ask you so very, very kindly. At least hit the like button. Smash that like button if you haven't. Share it if you can. But go over to patreon.com forward slash generational change. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a wonderful supporter of our channel, which helps us raise funds for things like local events, supporting nonprofits, and of course, non-corporate candidates you are feeling a little bit more consistently generous and you would like to give yours $10 is coming danny yours is coming you can add it to your collection Lulu sticker and mansion parliament i know bingo bango really really awesome and of course for the 25 dollar a month patrons you will get the wonderful tri-blend generational change baseball jersey that you know that the tri-blend it's by no means anything fancy it's not it sounds thing, fancy but it isn't doesn't matter it sells that's what it's about I, it's not that's not a thing if people not, it's a cute jersey it says here comes the sun i designed them if you do not feel inclined to want to give your credit card information for a lengthy period of time go over to cash app dollar sign gen change we would certainly appreciate any contribution. We're, we're trying to get some stuff going. We are. And I will say that, you know, if I could get to a certain point where I could have a little bit of a nest egg, then I could really start putting together like what I need to do to 501c3. Because I need to really I need to hire somebody to help do it. You know what I mean? You really want all your I's dotted and T's crossed. Like with this one, it's not a C3, we're a C4. So, you know, it, it wasn't the same level of complication. So I really would like a little nest egg so that I could create my 501C3, which would be education only. It would be non-political as, you know, that's why you can't, that's why this could not be a C3. Um, sure. And then, so the C3 aspect would be our community service aspect. And that's the kind of thing that would allow me to get a grant so that I could do a community closet. Uh, and, and random ideas that come to mind. And I actually have a friend that I'm training, uh, helping her get trained to be a grant writer. So my plan is, oh, thank you, Mark. Mark, you are super duper awesome. Awesome brother. sauce. And so this is really what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to where I can afford to pay somebody to really help with like business things so that we can, do. you know, that's where we have trouble is that we basically rely on people's charity and help which is great, but you know, I'd love to have somebody that regularly upkeeps my website. I'd love to have- And just remember, we're not crazy. We have been, it's been proven time and again that there are, especially with the Twitter files releases over the past several weeks that Matt Taibbi had put out, that there are deliberative suppressive tactics that big tech yeah, employs to yeah. suppress channels. And I am also gonna look in. into Substack for us. Okay. I think that we, I think that that might be something to sort of, you know, be similar to patron. I, you know, Patreon, I think substance. Hey, listen, be- beggars can't be choosers. If you want to send us a roll of, you know, if you want to send $10 in a roll of quarters per month, we will certainly accept it. I'll take them to the coin star. Yes. I'll take them right over to the coin star. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, we, we don't make any, and it's hard because 
we want to do, like, I'd love to improve things. I'd love to have a better setup. I'd love to have things. And we just don't, it's just not like a money-making enterprise. It's just not so far. And the truth is, is that we both work this part-time. So very, when you don't, part-time. right, very part-time. So when you're not putting all your time into something, it's not necessarily as easy to turn it over and make it as successful when you're doing it part-time. So we're small, but mighty. We are small, but mighty. But we have good guests coming up, people. We do. I saw that you had David Arquette. That's very cool. David Arquette's coming on, guys. David Arquette uh, actually did a movie with a friend of ours, Rose McGowan, uh, back in the late 90s. It was like 2000. Uh, Ready to Rumble? Is that what it was called? I don't remember. Did, well, David, I don't remember. David Arquette, we're going to introduce him as a former WCW champion. I don't, I, and I'll not know what any of these references are. <laughs> he was a re- he got into the wrestling thing for a while. I don't remember. You didn't that. know that? No. Oh no, he got he like really? Real, first it was a joke, and then he got serious about it. Like he really got serious. Because we it. need to talk to him about getting his sister to come on. Oh, uh, we'll talk. Well, uh, listen, I'll message. I'll message his his uh, producer and see if uh, Rosanna if Ro, follows us, Ro, right? Yeah, if Ro would want to come on. She yeah. follows me. She might want to come on. I'd love to chat with her. She's desperately seeking Susan. She is desperately seeking Susan. She's uh, she was also great in Pulp Fiction. She was uh, oh, that was awesome. You know that, that was I yeah that was awesome. Stop bothering me. Oh my god, no, <laughs> she's great. Yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, they're a very unique family for sure. Yeah, um, but we have good guests coming up. But, I mean, we always yeah. have good guests. But I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of things lined up. And again, um, we are going to be hopefully getting the authors of Bright Green Lies. So I would really urge everybody to check this book out. I did, of course, you guys know, I did the audio book. This is one where I, I, I think it would have been better to have it um, either Kindle or hardcover, or, you know, a actual book, um, because there's numbers involved. So it's hard when somebody's kind of reading me numbers and a, and a graph. So there's definitely certain things that I know got lost in translation, but it's very good. On Monday, we are going to have a Black History Month panel from a millennial perspective. Mill- and cross not, country. Not, and cross country. So you're going to get three different cultural ideals regarding Black History Month from the Northeast, from the South and from the West. Um, and different political points of view. And, and that's the thing. I was really glad that Marcel agreed to come on because I would almost think that he might find something like Black History Month to just be insulting in and of itself. That may be true. And, I, and is, I'm curious to hear what his Well, this is going to be a very interesting conversation because Amani is definitely on the very progressive side. Uh, Marcel is definitely on the more conservative side and Osiris is stuck in, in the, the middle. middle. So literally it will, <laughs> it be. will be a really good, cr- I mean, it'll be a good cross section for sure. And it's, it's interesting because I find when I hear when Marcel has been on and the stuff that he talks about rings much more true regarding the people that I know in the black community down here, again, South. I mean, I know that people, South Florida isn't really the South, but in certain communities, there are a lot of similarities when we're talking about the values that Marcel talks about that are very different from Imani up in New Jersey. Very different. They are. And yeah, I mean, we, we, I'd love to get the two of them talking about some of that stuff. See, I don't want to debate, but I don't mind watching the two of them debate. We should stick the Roe versus Wade topic right in front of them and oh, see how that goes. I think goes. that that'll get, well, you know, I mean, listen, that'll be very, it, maybe we could. I mean, Oh no, we don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. that it's just, maybe at the well, end. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I'm pretty sure 
that they're friendly. And I know that I've actually seen them do do panels before. So it wouldn't be the first time that I'm sure that it's been brought to their attention that there's issues that they're definitely not on the same side with. Um, But I I these are people that speak truth to power. So if you're going to speak truth to power and you're going to not be a corporate whore, you'll get my support. Um, I don't have to agree with you on everything. That's the beauty of it. I'm okay even voting for people that I don't agree with on everything. I know it's crazy because at the end of the day, you're not going to find that. And if you think you do, you're being lied to by that person because it's they're not going to do all the things that you want them to do. That's just not how this works. Um, we the- are going to we are going to try to have a uh, they are there is the anti-war rally uh, that uh, Jimmy and friends are organizing for DC for February nineteenth. I'm supportive of this. Kim Iverson and Garland uh, Dixon are going to be uh, going to be uh, speaking at the event. Um, What we're going to try to do is do a panel on that Wednesday prior to when the event takes place so that they could come on and promote the actual event in D.C. Did Kim say she would come on? I haven't heard from her yet. Uh, And of course, the other person we would love to have on if she's available, I think you should message her is Medea Benjamin. I'll see. Uh, She will be speaking at that event as well. So, hey, listen, at the end of the day, I don't like the fact that some of the speakers that are there are speaking because I think they hurt the cause and I think that they're there for self-serving purposes. But when it comes to having some form of an anti-war message right now, it's essential. We need to have it. Yeah, for Um, sure. I'm going to give you a choice. Uh, And I honestly, I'll support pretty much. I don't really care who's promoting the anti-war message. That's where I see people like Rand Paul. And I'm like, yes, we do agree on this. Let's work together. Let's let's end for-profit wars together. We don't have to agree on everything else. Yes, I will support your anti-war rally. I'm not going to say anything to the audience. I just want you to see And this. just for shits and giggles, I'm against the next war. So after we're done with Ukraine and they're on to the next thing, whatever, or multiple things, I'm against those two. I'm just going to put that in ahead of time. So we're going to cover one story before we go. I'm going to give Jen the option to decide if she wants to cover this or not. I, of course, you know, I don't. And I'd rather be talking about that. Why are we not talking about that? No, we are going to talk about okay, that. I don't want to talk about this at all. And okay. you knew I wouldn't. So no. Okay. No. I'll do no. that on my own time. Please. All right. So I, why give credit there? Like why? Why? It's talk? actually a, it's actually a very good segment. I, I, it's a very good segment. I get, no, I get, give credit where credit's due. Whatever. It was a very good segment. It doesn't need to be covered by us. That's mm. the thing. We don't need to be commenting on other content segments. We're, we don't need to be contenting on, uh, commenting on other content creators or other shows or who said what on what show. Like, I don't like that. So many of you know that people in this country are getting very desperate and rightfully so. Go figure. Are you as desperate as this? I can't even. And and let me be clear that there were other articles with different headlines about this story that he did pick one that was very incendiary. But it is this ridiculous. Um, Apparently in Massachusetts, the Democrats have put forth this proposal wherein inmates can get time off if they donate their organs. Now, now here's the thing. When he first told me this, I, I said, okay. Are they, they post? Die. Well, is it that you yeah. sign that you'll do it when you die? Um, that I don't have a problem with. I donate mine. I don't, you know, I mean, that's fine. If you can get time off for doing that, great. But no, no, no. It's for them to be living donors, literally giving their organs. To While they're incarcerated time. in order incarcerated. to get taken out. And also, it's, so it's organs and bone marrow. So, yeah, this is, 
And but this is Democrats. This is Democrats. I can doing survive by, by I can donate one of my livers. I'm, I'm just uh, we, we knew we were going to get to when you say things. If you want to talk leg, about dystopia, this is it. You want to talk Seriously, this is the real deal. When I, my dad always would say something costs an arm and a leg. Now, this is what's happening. The Massachusetts Democrats of all people are putting this up for proposal. Oh. They're I mean, going to hell, you would people. think that this you would think this was something you would hear in a in a piss poor state like the Alabama GOP. Like you would think that that's where you would hear something like this. But no, this, actually, I would actually expect this from Arizona. Uh, well, because of the age, because of Maricopa, because uh, of the sheriff of Maricopa and the outdoor prisons there. Oh, my oh, Arizona and prisons. Not good. A new bill would allow prisoners to get time off their sentence if they donate their organs or bone marrow. Massachusetts Democrats have a bold, it's bold. Oh, it's right. bold. New proposal for prisoners, donate your organs or bone marrow and get a little as, as a couple, as a couple of months off of your sentence. Oh my God. Wait, no, as little <laughs> as a couple of months, as little as. So- it but I didn't really offer you much. Uh, that's just, I mean, I'm under, so it's, is it negotiable? Like you get X months for bone marrow, but maybe you can get a year for a kidney. Like how do they, this is, are, are you sure this isn't the onion? The legislation, which has attracted five co-sponsors in the state house, raises more major bioethical concerns for the 6,000 plus people currently held in the Bay State's prison. Bioethical, you think? You think? Every, oh, my like, God. You know, it's amazing. 6,000 oh people incarcerated in Massachusetts. How many people incarcerated in Florida? I think it's like 200,000. Well, Florida, like it's like we're, we're our own penal colony we here. We really are. But so this, uh, all right, you want to, are you going to like talk more about the, yeah, this lunacy? In essence, the bill would ask prisoners which is more important to them, their freedom or their organs and bone marrow. I just. The bill appears to go significantly beyond other organ donation policies for prisoners, well, that's obviously. What, well, that's what I was going to say. If it was you sign it that you'll donate when you die, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. And then you that should have that right anyway. anyway. Well, right. The Federal Bureau of Prisons says the prisoners may donate their organs while it goes And it's just like, what? And, and think about this, ladies and gentlemen. This is what you have to remember. You know why bills like this get passed so the prison industrial complex can grow bigger? That's the point. The point is to get more people incarcerated so that they can have proposals like this actually come to pass. But and and here's the thing. So are you telling me that in the state of Massachusetts and granted, they do have a way better education system than we do. Mm. They absolutely do. So they are they absolutely. do do some things very well in Massachusetts. But are you telling me that this this is somehow looks like a problem solving situation that this is what the Democrats in Massachusetts would focus on. In, That's not good. In, in one of the reddest, most conservative, but best run states in the whole country, Utah in 2013 allowed organ donation from prisoners who died while being incarcerated. Most other states do not allow organ donations from prisoners at all. Right. The Ethics Committee of the United Network for Organ Sharing, the nonprofit that administers organ transplants in the U.S., has and proposals like the Massachusetts bill. Any law proposal that allows a person to trade an organ for a reduction in sentence raises numerous issues. Yeah, yeah. seriously, it does. There's some issues. Yeah, you got some I'm issues. Not really concerned about me cutting open my body. And who's to say that the surgeon who's performing this is actually going to be the highest quality? I really want to know what the. Uh, oh, here it is. Program shall. Oh, there it is. Read with. So the legislation, House. Uh, well, HD, but House Bill 3822 states the bone marrow and organ donation program shall allow eligible incarcerated individuals to gain not less than 60 and not more than three, 
They are only offering a one-year year reduction in a sentence in the length of their committed. And sentence I'd also point out, like when of course when it says something like eligible incarcerated individuals, it's it's basically a means testing situation. So the person who they're even offering it to, it's they're going to pick and choose who they'd even be willing to give it to anyway. Like so, I I, I mean, this, this is was like ridiculous. a circumstance where you, where they were trying to get people to donate blood, which is actually a problem in this country, is getting people to donate blood. But I guarantee you, in non-drug using incarcerated individuals that could potentially, if they have O negative blood, you know, that's very rare. Maybe that is something that would be worthy of, well, let's yeah, say, yeah, that's not a 60 day to 365 day reduction. But no, let's cut you open, take out some of your insides, and we'll take off a smidgen of your actual lengthy sentence. This is... Well, is it any look at how they treat the 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 inmates, the prisoners that are firefighters in California? They get like a dollar a day, and they say they take time off their sentence, but it's like negligible. They don't. It's slave labor. It's slave labor. That's the say. This is what this is. They're actually wanting bodies for parts in incarcerate. Like this is crazy. And the fact that it's Democrats, I mean, I just, I honestly. The the, more or less the conclusion of this is that it might not even be legal. Well, that yeah, this is being proposed. I don't think again, this is a proposal. Thank goodness, because I hope that something like that does not get far. But I, it reminds me of something. So I said, OK, I wanted an excuse to read this anyway. So, guys, um, especially going into Black History Month and we're going to be talking about a lot of the. Um, I would say subsequent issues, but the 13th Amendment ratified December 6th, 1865, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or in any place subject to their jurisdiction. So essentially this is, and there was a, um, a really good documentary called The 13th. Um, that talks that's about this particularly. But that's what our prison system is. Our prison system is contemporary slavery. Um, the majority of people that are incarcerated, it's crimes of poverty. Yeah. It's it's crimes that um, our, our system basically are incarcerating poor people because that's what it is. That that's That's what this is. So it's the people that would have been slaves if not for the 13th Amendment, and it leaves this little clause. And essentially, okay, we don't call them debtors' prisons, but when people are incarcerated due to like all of the reasons that the majority of people are incarcerated, yeah, it's just, and you see now they're wanting to like procure organs. That's, that's slavery. Yeah. And I think, and that, be- that's the thing is that we need to, the 13th Amendment, that clause in the 13th Amendment is definitely like the bane of existence. I think you guys really need to recognize this is one of the things also another crossover area between uh, progressives and libertarians is criminal justice reform. This is criminal justice reform of the worst kind. This is the type of criminal justice reform that it perpetuates the cycle of incarceration. How do you see that as criminal justice reform? No, it's, no, no, it's literally organ poaching. Well, what I'm saying is organ, organ poaching, but what it's going to end up doing is it's going to increase the size of the prison industrial complex because more and more people are going oh, to become God. incarcerated. As more and more people in this country get sick and are in need of organ donation, people that are incarcerated may be more likely to just say, nah, the hell with it. I'll give up my kidney. 
I'll give up my bone marrow. I'll give up, you know. I'm just, you know, and this is talk about modern day slavery. That's the kind of stuff that happened during slavery. You know, you know, we talk about things like that. Where do you think George Washington got his teeth from? Because they weren't wooden. Um, but no, they were from slaves. They took their, their teeth. They took whatever they wanted. So that's basically what we're doing now. We're just doing that. That's just, it, I don't think that'll go anywhere. Let me say it says it has five people signed on. Like, again, I don't think that's something that would go anywhere. But the fact that Democrats in Massachusetts are suggesting this is if they've got nothing better to do with their legislation. And this time. is also going to set bad precedent because there's these other states. Massachusetts is probably one of the five best run states in America. And this is what they're focusing on. When a state like West Virginia or a state like Arkansas or a state like Louisiana gets their hooks into a bill like this in a state that is heavily incarcerated, especially in the Deep South, and has very little resources, who's to say a bill like that wouldn't pass in a state like that? Well, we're passing all other sorts of freak show shit. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, did you by any chance have reschedule Chevron? We need to do yeah, that. I texted him. He hasn't texted me back. Okay. You should, um, you should text I'll him. text him. Um, see if we can do that. But we'll definitely talk about it on Monday. Yes. Like the whole, you know. The Wednesday's still open. I haven't scheduled it yet, but I would prefer. I like the idea that we've got like almost three weeks covered already. Yeah. You um, work in spurts. Well, I would I prefer to do that. I'd rather just get it out of the way and then, you know, we'll see what comes up. I've got to connect with those uh the, the bright green bright lies. Green lies, guys. Bright green lies, people. We'll see. We'll That's see it's like there. a it's really a major thing. We have a situation, people. We have a serious situation. And the, the solar and the wind isn't gonna solve it for us. It's just not. And neither is nuclear and neither is any of it, because the reality is we're totally annihilating and consuming the planet instead of living with it. And we'll continue to do that until we die off. And then hopefully it will regenerate. Like I'm, I hope, you know, that that, that, that happens, but I, we just cannot keep living like this and thinking that there's not going to be like dire consequences. It's like self-harming. Yeah. Everything we do to the earth, it's self-harm. It's like people that cut themselves. You want to cut off the top of a mountain? Okay, well, there goes that air supply. All right, thanks for that. we got a lot of problems here in the state of Florida of and beyond. But we are obviously very grateful for each and every one of you that have tuned in this evening. It's been a very lively conversation with Mark as well with the chat. Your contributions are tremendously appreciated. Yeah, Keith, I haven't, but I, I am sure I would find it very, very unsettling. I don't like mines. I'm done mining. I don't want to be mining shit. No, well, I don't be pulling shit out of the earth. And my, I just that's not be, what I want. I don't less want that. Than what they already have, and until we're willing to accept the fact that not everybody should be having this kind of technology, and this is also what happens when you have massive population spurts in a very short period of time. So having to make up for all of that takes time, and it's no different than when we were in Miramar the other day at the um, at the event and literally seeing this this little girl couldn't have been more than three years old and she's got a cell phone in front of her. Oh what? yeah everybody has like a cell that's phone. a that's a problem. And we have to be willing to admit that this is you know the, the dystopian era, this mindlessness. Again, if you haven't read 1984, you know it's it's sad but true. You know, Big Brother is watching us and expecting us to fall in line. But I so. will tell you this. Tesla's not the answer. 
No, that's not the it's not solving anything. Um, it's it's good for Elon. We would be much, much better off, even though it's not the solution. But if you want to talk about really reducing the carbon footprint, the only travel solution that actually will help legitimately is high speed rail. That's it. Because of the capacity, because of the weight, because of the speed, and because of the distance. Those things matter. And you wouldn't have a whole bunch of individuals on the road. You would have potentially hundreds, if not thousands, traveling at the same time and being able to keep up with the amount of CO2 that's in the atmosphere versus the oxygen. There's just there's so, things that could be done better, but I have- And, and? And? And we will talk about this as we go forward. But guys, you're all going to have to get very serious and smart about the fact that if we're going to save our asses in this lifetime and beyond, nuclear power is going to be a part See, of the conversation. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I just feel like we're just, when we talk about that, just like when the bright greens talk about renewables, it's not about saving the planet. It's about saving industrial civilization. And that is not my goal. Mm. It just isn't. That's not my goal. I so so my priorities are not saving. That's pretty meta, dirtbag. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I read it in the '80s, but I don't know that it was exactly '84. Probably a little later. Um, but that's the problem. And when you talk about things like nuclear, when you talk about all of that, it's still taking from the earth. It's still doing things that are bad. It still involves concrete. It still involves steel. It involves killing critters. It involves ripping things Here's apart. Here's the thing, though. The series that the, the series four nuclear power, even though there will be repercussions as a result of doing the dredging and things like that, nuclear can last for decades and decades and decades without any carbon emission. But carbon emission, and we'll get into this when we have the authors on because they'll Fine. teach you this because obviously I'm not getting through to you. Carbon emission is just one aspect of a huge climate issue. And so, but what you do is you might fix that, but you do something else. You rip, you deforest somewhere else. So you're you're not getting any net gain. What if we just get a whole bunch of goats to eat the brush? Well, there is that. But really what it comes down to is in industrialization is killing the planet. Now, for me personally, like in my dream universe, I would live in a cob house that is made of cob and has a grass roof. And I would live somewhere that has mild climate so I wouldn't need air conditioning. And I would just live a very simple life. Most people are not wanting to do that. And so there we are, because the bottom line is things like air travel and, and things like modern conveniences and even like mass communication are not gonna be around forever because industrialization will run out of steam. It will, it's going to happen. Yeah. So if you're, and my concern, and this was a thing about the book is preserving as much of the planet as we can for it to be able to heal itself after that. And what really will help, you wanna know what really helps? Saving the soil, stop deforesting, and the two major industries that we could get rid of that would solve a lot of it. Would Plastic. Be, no, the military and mono agriculture. And uh -huh. those, those two industries are the hugest problems in terms of why we cannot have nice things. But things like reforesting, and doing regenerative, sustainable agriculture and rotating the ruminants, rotating the grazers and actually living what we can do sustainably, that's how we have to do this. It can't be done, it's not gonna be fixed. We can't keep living how we're living and just insert solar and wind and water. All of those things cause other problems. Oh, and by the way, the other thing you'd have to do is undo all the dams. If we undid the dams and reforested and did those things, the earth will repair itself. 
but we don't. Especially we keep building west. dams. We keep because you have a whole bunch of liberals saying that the solution is hydropower. So then they build a dam. Okay. Well, so that might reduce the carbon footprint for something, but all of the shit that's required to build the dam, which is tons of concrete steel and minerals and all this shit that's required, I assure you is not done green. So essentially you need fossil fuels to build the dam to then displace all the critters, fuck the salmon. And it's just, no, no. Catch your own fish. (laughs) Just like, it's all, it's all a problem. So we really, I'm just saying it's gonna run out. And when it does, the off the grid people will be okay, and the people that know how to live smart and sustainable. Oh, liberals are liberals are. Oh, they're they're so screwed. So like they're finished. (laughs) You know, so that and I'm not saying this is happening soon. I'm not like a you know. No, it might not even happen in our lifetime. No, it might not happen in our lifetime. But my goal personally is to live as harmoniously and net neutral as I can with nature. And that's not possible where I live now. It's just not. I live in a house, I'm in a town, or I'm in a suburb, I'm on a grid. I mean, I just, it is what it is. I drive my kid to school. But my goal is to get to a point where I am living with a net neutral impact, where I know that what I'm using, and I'm replenishing equal to what I'm using. And that's my, that's my goal. And that's and all of those things are not that. All of those alternative energies are just things so that we could keep doing what we're doing without making any sacrifice and just keep screwing the planet in different ways. You're reallocating it. Why are why is our pollution better? Not because we're doing good, but because we're outsourcing it to China. So their pollution is worse. You know what, people? It's a giant globe. <laughs> we all share the air. So it's like, I, I mean, the fact that we can outsource our garbage to somewhere else doesn't mean we have less garbage. It doesn't mean we're less consumer, dis- like gluttonous consumerism. It just means we outsource our recycling and our trash to China. So we poison their people with our stuff. And then we blame China for not cooperating. <laughs> Or India. There's a lot of it, but it's yeah. like, yeah. But when you look at it, you have to look at it globally. We all share the, it's a globe. That's the point. So it's I circulates. thought the earth was flat. And the way people talk about alternative energy, that's how it sounds now to me. Because yes, but we are way out west now, so we are past where the sun sets. Unless you're south of an asshole. Or is it a moron? It was south of a moron. I am directly south, south of, of a moron. moron. And no one knows it. Guys, that's from City Slickers. It was really funny. City Slickers too. Which actually wasn't even a good movie, except for that was a it had a, scene. It had a Well, John Lovitz manages to. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 Glenn, who had Frankie Pantangeli killed? Sirius <laughs> Yeah, but who gave the okay, order? but people you? don't, this is, you've got to get, you had to be there. Yeah, you had to be there to understand. So guys, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, I'm going to be down at Canadelic in Miami. That sounds uh, like fun. Oh, it does sound like fun. And it's the, I think it's only like the second year they, they're they doing it. It's not like a common thing. But anyway, I'm very curious as to how fun a psychedelic um, portion of this can be in a state where psychedelics aren't legal. I'm curious. But then, of course, there's the stuff that's behind the table that isn't really for sale, but is for sale. So I'm looking forward to it. I will be on Influencer Row. I'm going to try to do, and I by no means would refer to myself as an influencer other than that's where I've been well, assigned to go. Well, hopefully our camera guy uh, 
you know, Ben will be with us, uh, or I'll at least be down for it. I'd like to do, I'd like to do a couple of live, you know, things. I think some of it I'll walk around and look and hopefully, and I'm actually really thinking this will be an opportunity for me to maybe find a sponsor or somebody like that. That would be great. Yeah. We could certainly use. Well, a lot of the businesses there, that's what they do. They look and try to connect with influencers to try to promote their stuff. So my goal. Some chamber. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I think that I'm, I, I think I would be much more of a better influencer for this particular, you know, I'll just stand this back. particular subject matter, I think. But the, so anyway, and my friend's coming from out of town to help and I'm going to sell some merch. Yes. I'm going to bring some shirts. I've got shirts and stickers That's and it. no, because this isn't that. And I really wish you would appreciate that. And fine, respect that. Fine. It's kind of annoying. So. Don't forget, we may be live Friday or Saturday. Or both. I'm going to do a few different things. I think it's going to be really fun. Um, maybe if I can, I'll bring you guys into the after party. That'll be fun. And in the meantime. I'm very, I'm very interested. And the 420 Lounge, I can definitely you know, see having some fun in there. And do not forget to tune in on Monday, 9 o'clock, Black History Month panel. It'll be really great, really incredible. Thank you so much, every one of you who has supported the channel this evening really means a lot. Smash that like button, subscribe, click the bell, maybe even contribute. It really would be awesome. Uh, Ron, great to see you. Thank you for doing that. And everybody else who Thank does, you. you'll enjoy the stream after the fact, and we will see you Monday. Bye, all Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.